Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. The Radical Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.americanfirearms.org. Hey, Rhino Club podcast listeners. This is a new one for me. I've got my buddy Tim Carroll back on the podcast. He reached out and want to talk about situational awareness. So we're really going to focus on this topic on this episode, maybe go off some tangents. But uh, Tim, I'm excited to have you back on. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and you've got a new sort of background here, I think, that I'm not used to. Uh, should be the same one. Got oh. in my uh, bunker slash gun room. Same, same. I like it. So I'm glad you reached out. This is a topic so many people miss out on, especially in different environments that they think they are like, I won't say safe, but maybe they're more comfortable in, right? So I don't know if you want to kick it off and kind of tell me your thoughts on what you want to chat about today. Yeah, so uh, a big thing in the self-defense world, which primarily I'm a self-defense firearms trainer, that's, you know, uh, I can't say I teach people how to shoot, but I teach people how to fight with a gun. Now, the the best option is not to get into a fight. And that basically starts with situational awareness. And I, I created a custom course that I teach now, which is focused on women's situational awareness, but situational awareness applies for pretty much everybody. Yep. And if you want the, the really short description, it's basically being aware of everything that's in your environment and how that could possibly be a threat. There's a lot more nuance to it, but that's basically the overall concept of situational awareness. Yeah. And like, and we're not even talking about two of people threats too, but I see so many videos on the internet of people just not paying attention to where they're at, where they're going, whether it's animals. I saw just, I don't know if you saw the video of the, like, was it a hog or something attacking a snowboarder? And that came out of nowhere, but it's like a million people on the slopes, and he's literally having to be on the ground using his his snowboard to attack the animal. Like I'm seeing that one. So you know, let, let's talk about kind of what your steps are when you like assess a, a room, a building, that kind of stuff. What are you looking for? Okay, sure. So when I initially walk into uh, a public space, the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking at people, and I'm kind of you know uh, I had someone ask me well, what are you looking for? I said, well, initially, I'll just sweep the room real quick and make a quick assessment of who could possibly be a threat. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, you know, body language, demeanor, how they're dressed, something like that. Uh, that, that You have to study that. You know, I think studies have shown that about 90% or so of our communication is nonverbal. So, you know, before we could speak, the only way we could communicate with each other was through nonverbal cues. And we still have that innate ability to pick up on those cues. But most people have kind of forgotten that. Yep. And if you don't study what those cues are, then you'll you'll really miss out on. Them. So that's one thing I'm looking for. Next thing I'm looking for are exits. Uh, you know, the simple explanation in a restaurant is see where the kitchen is. There's always an exit through the kitchen. So usually I like to sit as close to the kitchen as possible with my with myself facing the front door so I can see people coming in and out. Uh, and then after that, basically, it's just you kind of keep an eye on everything that's going on around you and, you know, assess from there. And it's it's not hard once you learn it, but most people just don't even pay attention to it, to be quite honest. Yep. Now, you're not going to love this question, but can we go back to deep diving? how someone would study and what are they studying? Like, let's break those nuances down of body language and all of that threat assessment. Sure. Yeah. So there are, there's a lot of books out there on body language. There's a lot of them. Uh, on my website, I've got some recommended reading and there are several things in there about body language. Now, male and female body language are very different. 
so <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you know, I I tell people this. It's like men and women evolve differently. So men evolve to fight other men. You know, that's that's basically what we we evolved to do. It was like in order to to uh, pass on your genes, you had to fight other guys to get status. So our body language is really, really different, you know? So it's like, if you look at, uh, say two men who are kind of arguing, fighting, something like that, they'll do a lot of, uh, what we call posturing. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll thrust the chin out, out, you know, they'll puff out their chest, roll their shoulders back, clench fists, things like that. Uh, and, you know, there's there's a lot of things that go into body language when it comes to men. So men like to, like I said, status. So in order to gain status, you have to take up real estate. So guys will, uh, you may have seen this, like if you go to a meeting or something like that, and you see the one guy who's like got his hands that are like spread out on the table, mm-hmm. right? He's taking up real estate, right? He's trying to, to gain as much status as he possibly can. Uh, a lot of police officers will will get in that wide stance. So their their feet will be more than shoulder width apart, right? And they'll stand there maybe with their hands on their hips or something like that to try to take up as much space as possible. So that's that's another indicator. So that's that's one of the things it's like if you if you see a guy walk into a room and he's got that really wide stance and his hands on his hips or something like that, you can almost always assume that guy was either in law enforcement or is currently in law enforcement because that's what they teach him to do is like, like try to look intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Try to get big, get big. <laughs> uh, a few other things is like, uh, so one of the things we talk about are threat cues, which is like glancing around. So if somebody approaches you in a parking lot or something like that, and they're, they're constantly like looking around as they're talking to you, uh, that can be an indicator of a threat cue. There's another thing we call grooming, which is where a person will touch their face Mm-hmm. touch their head, rub the back of the neck. Nobody really knows why people do that, but they think that uh, the blood vessels in the face actually dilate during stress. And that is a subconscious way of relieving that irritation of those blood vessels dilating. So if somebody approaches you and they're constantly doing this sort of thing, mm-hmm. then you know that, that should raise red flags in your mind. Uh, those are just a few things. Like I said, it's it's very, very nuanced, right? So it's yeah. like uh, threat indicators, body language is different than somebody just having a conversation with, you know, body language, that sort of thing. Right. So when you're talking about scanning too, I mean, I, I'm probably very guilty of that. But like I walk in trying to up and down like i i am that person that's totally looking at people's hips and like where's the gun is it on the front is the back on the side if there is like a threat intention and then i think two people pass over which is great right for people like me but they pass over females a lot and like i don't think that they prepare that anybody could be you know carrying a gun or a knife or a weapon or be prepared with their fists whatever it looks like so you know for you what are you looking at in those situations yeah so like i said when i when i walk in i, I usually scan to try to see who could possibly be a threat. Mm-hmm. And then I will make note of those people and probably keep a closer eye on them. But I'm still watching everybody, right? Yeah. So I'm constantly looking for uh, maybe people who are aggressive, right? So we've all been in those restaurants or bars or something like that where somebody is kind of loud, a little more aggressive than the rest of the group. And I tend to keep an eye on that person a lot more. And then more loud than the group you just described uh, me. <laughs> not necessarily loud. You know, there's plenty of people who are just loud because you know, right? You know. <laughs> but there's a there's a big difference when when somebody's aggressive loud versus yeah, they've just got a loud voice, right? Uh so you can always tell that difference. And we we have that inane ability, and it's it's so body language is subconscious unless you're really good at it, right? Yeah. You're consciously subduing your body language. So if you ever watch like a World Series of Poker on TV or something like that, those guys don't move. It's extremely boring to watch because they don't smile. A lot of them wear sunglasses so you can't see their eyes, right? Those guys are masters of body language and reading body language. But for the rest of the population, it's subconscious. You can't control body language. So that's, that's the very first thing that I'm looking for. Now, as far as weapons go... Sometimes you can spot them. Yeah. 
depends on the person, right? Uh, and you can make assessments based on, you know, body size, body shape, things like that to say, okay, well, where would this person be carrying a firearm? You know, it's very different than, uh, let's say this a guy's 350 pounds, he's sitting down, he's probably not appendix carry. Appendix carry, yeah. <laughs> so you can always kind of keep an eye on that sort of stuff. And most most folks are going to carry a, a pocket knife or something like that. You're going to see that clip on the inside of the pocket, you know, or on the outside of the pocket. So spotting weapons, not as easy, but it's totally doable. But most of the time, I'm really not looking for weapons. I'm just looking at that person's demeanor. So yeah. if I can if I can assess that that person's getting aggressive or maybe getting ready to fight, I'm just going to avoid them, to be yep. honest. Yep. Now, I know um, I try to teach this, but like leaving buildings, places, parking lots, like I want to talk about parking lots, you know, whether you're getting out of your vehicle or you're going back to your vehicle. I know so many women, unfortunately, that whether they've got a kid, right? So maybe they've got a kid in one hand. Okay. Well, maybe they've got the purse that's literally the one-armed purse dance. And it sounds silly, but I'm 30 years old and I carry a backpack purse, but I have to have a purse because that leaves my hands free. Um, you know, they're, they're already looking down at their cell phone. They're not scanning their environment whatsoever. Lighted or unlighted, it really doesn't matter anymore. We've seen enough videos and enough times that people are getting trafficked. People are getting, you know, robbed, whatever it looks like. Um, so when you're coming out or leaving your vehicle to go in, what are you doing in the parking lot? Yeah, so when I teach scanning, I say, okay, when you pull into the parking lot, uh, you're looking for a few things. Uh, when you scan, you want to scan 360 degrees. So I tell people, before you get out of the car, take a look around, you know, uh, backup cameras, really good. They've got fisheye lenses. You can just throw it in a reverse real quick with your foot on the brake and take a look behind you and see a lot of stuff that you can if you're trying to look over a headrest or something like that. If I say just scan 360 degrees before you get out, get all your stuff situated before you get out, right? Get your purse on, put your phone away. That's the biggest issue that I see, right? This, this device right here is designed to keep and hold your attention forever. All those apps are on there are are designed by psychologists to keep your attention. Yep, and they use gamification to do that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, they do. So I say, put your phone away. Right, that that Instagram post can wait for thirty seconds while you're walking from your car to the, the store. So I say, all right, put your phone away. Scan before you get out of the car. Scan when you get out of the car and lock your door. Scan again. Now, I always recommend for women for purse carry, carry crossbody, right? Because uh, if you're just carrying hobo style, that thing's going to get snatched right out of your hand. I've got a, uh, I've got a training purse at my range. I say, listen, I'm stronger. Sorry, hobo style. Yeah, hobo style. You know, they just kind of carry it in their hand or just over the shoulder or something like that. Continue. I've never heard that. Yeah. But it's just like, listen, you could hold this in your hand and stop me from yanking it out of your hands. You're not going to do it, right? I'm stronger than you are. I'm going to pull that purse right out of your hand. But if it's over your shoulder, uh, you know, crossbody, I can't without dragging you to the ground. And, and somebody who's trying to snatch a purse isn't looking for that kind of attention. Yep. They'll say, all right, get out of the car. You scan. You walk to the store. No stopping. Keep looking around. As you're walking, you're still scanning. Mm-hmm. So get inside the store. Once you get inside the store, scan again. Make note of employees, make note of possibly law enforcement, make note of threats if possible. You know, try to imagine where the exits are going to be, that sort of thing. Get your stuff done. And then there's a lot of other things you want to be looking for. So like repeating patterns. So if you see a car drive by and then maybe a minute later, that same car drives by again. Then another minute later, that car drives by again. You know, that's a repeating pattern. If you're in the store and that one guy you just keep seeing in every aisle that you go to. That's a repeating pattern. That's something you need to keep a note of. Now, it's not necessarily something to freak out over, but it is something you need to make note of, consciously make note of that sort of thing. Uh, Also, when you get in the store, like I said, make note of employees. That way, if somebody approaches you and says, hey, I'm I'm a manager for, you know, the Walmart and all these guys flannel and jeans on, you're like, "Uh, you know what? I don't think so. There's no name tag, nothing like that, that kind of stuff. So those are those are some small things uh, to keep note of. Right. There's a few more details. Right. So if you're if you're walking by an exit, you know, say maybe that exit's blocked and fire alarm goes off, you can make note in your head. Hey, I can't go to that exit because it was blocked. Something like uh, 
those are a few of the small things just to keep an eye on. There's a few more uh, to go into detail over, but those are the main ones, to be honest. Yeah. I've had uh, a couple of women share their stories with me. One was in um, Arizona. She lives in Arizona and she had, she doesn't carry a gun. She's not like a gun person, not anti-gun, just it's not her thing. And she shared like she pretty sure that she was being human trafficked and um in an, in, a, in a grocery store and being followed by someone like over and over again so she dropped everything put it on the ground went outside went next door to the pet stop called 911 or pet shop and sure enough she saw that person come out of that building and then like get picked up in a van and drive off and so she had that gut kind of reaction feeling that something wasn't right and like kind of clocked the person and while she's not that like really intimidating person where she made eye contact or, or, or recognize the guy or anything like that. She just moved on, went to a different building called 911. But if you think about those things too, with criminals, it's like, they don't like being identified. They don't like it. If you look them in the face and are looking them up and down and are, you know, you're, you're intimidating to them because, okay, shoot, they recognize me. They see me, they look at me, they might be able to, you know, identify me later. Right. So those are the other kind of, I would say like intimidating tactics or just those things where you as a person can protect yourself just by showing someone you're aware of them. Yeah. So if you think about the animal world, right, the lion doesn't want to be seen by the gazelle. Uh-uh. Right? As soon as, as soon as the gazelle sees the lion, the hunt's over. Yep. Right. So human predators are the same way. They don't like attention. They don't like to be seen. They don't like that attention being on them. So that's what I tell people is like, if you're, if your shoulders are up, if your head's up and you're scanning around, the human predator is going to look at you and go, ah, it's not an easy target because just like animal predators, the human predators are looking for the easiest prey. They're looking for the easiest thing that they can possibly do to get what they want. And if they think there's going to be a fight or they think there's going to be trouble, they're going to avoid it. That's just, that's the nature of animals. And we're one of them. So that's what I tell people is like, listen, here's a good social experiment. If you go out in public, so if uh, so, you're in airports just like I am. So sit in an airport and you people watch. Yeah. And you think to yourself, this is a really good exercise. Look around. Or if you're in any kind of public space where you're just kind of taking a seat, looking around, maybe a park or, or something like that. Just take a seat, look around and say, if I were a bad guy, who would my victim be? And then say, why? Right. So it's that person who's isolated, that person whose head's down. They're looking at their phone. They're not paying attention. That's going to be an easy mark. And then on the opposite side, look around and say, all right, who would I not want to mess with? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's that person that's got their head up. Maybe they're in a group or a well-lit space. They're looking around. They're making eye contact with people, shoulders up. So that's a really good exercise to, to kind of mimic what that person is doing to say, hey, that's a person I wouldn't mess with. I'm going to mimic exactly what they're doing because, yeah, they don't want to be seen. And then I tell people, you know, if you do get in that situation where, say, there there is a person you think is following you, make a scene, yep. right? Yep. Call attention to it, right? So it's like uh, you're been out in the woods and squirrels start chirping because they see you walking by. Yeah. And, and that's all they do, right? They're calling attention to you because they think you're a predator. And it's the same way. So if you confront somebody, maybe say, hey, why are you following me? Kind of get loud or something like that. That can really, really diffuse the situation because they don't want that sort of attention. Yep. Uh, I tell people it's okay to be rude. You can always apologize later. Yep. So if that guy comes up to you and says, hey, I'm looking for directions to whatever, you can always just say, hey, back off. I don't want to talk to you or whatever. And if it's a legitimate thing where the guy is just like, hey, I'm, I was just asking for directions. You can say, hey, I'm really sorry. Uh, just having a bad day, whatever. But it's yeah. way better to be rude than to be attacked. A hundred percent. I mean, that's worth your life. And, and you know, if you don't feel comfortable giving someone directions that's that close to you, you're like, hey, do you mind asking somebody else? Like, they don't, they don't know your background. They don't know your history or where, what you've been through. Like, I know, you know, we've all been through different scenarios before and, and they just might. It, it's a, a, I will say it's difficult and challenging, I think, sometimes for guys to understand what women go through. Not that it's a, a female-male type thing, but there is totally different vibe. And especially when you're by yourself, like, it's just, it has to be different. Unfortunately, you guys are bigger, stronger, faster in a lot of scenarios, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's uh, it's hard for men to understand that for women, half of the population can kill them with their bare hands. Yeah. And men don't understand that. Yeah. Right. 
Yep. So we, we, you know, I try to be conscious of that, to be honest. You know, I, I always, you know, try to keep my distance. Uh, now, distance is subjective, especially when you're, you know, we talk about the the 21 foot rule, things like that. Right. In my defensive classes, I show people how, how quickly somebody can cover 21 feet. And it's it's pretty quick for the yep. average person. Most people don't realize that. Oftentimes when I ask in my defensive classes, how fast do you think the average person can cover 21 feet from a dead standstill? Most of the time it's like uh, six seconds, five seconds, things like that. Most people don't realize it's about one and a half seconds. Yeah. And that's for the average person. That's not for a fast person, an athletic person. That's the average person. So yep. it happens really, really fast. And if you're not prepared to respond to that, uh, then you can be in trouble. So I try to keep my distance when I'm when I'm encountering a strange person or a woman or something like that, you know, just to try to say, hey, you know what, I I I understand. I try to defuse that situation, but you know, a lot of people don't don't get that because you know we're men and we just don't we don't have that sort of empathy that comes from understanding. Yeah, we've never been in that situation. Um, the other thing I I try to teach people that are especially it's especially women though like they don't want to carry on their body they want to have it in their purse or they don't even want to have it at all. So then I'm like, okay, well, what are your alternatives? So when I think about it sounds silly, but like grocery shopping or at the mall or whatever that looks like, you know, there's so many things, it sounds funny, that can be turned into weapons. You know, that can of, can of beans is pretty heavy to whack someone over the head with. Um, thinking about like shopping, you know, your cart could actually be used as a tool thinking like similar to a vehicle. I mean, just so what do you teach in terms of reaction time? If someone is coming to attack you a second and a half and you're indoors, not necessarily in a parking lot, like what can people think about is around them at all times to be able to defend themselves with? Uh, OC spray. Everybody should carry OC spray. If if you don't have anything between a harsh word and a gun, then you're a fool, right? OC, OC spray, and it's it's so cheap, it's so readily available. So you can go on Amazon right now and buy a six pack of of Palm OC spray for like twenty bucks. Yep. And it, it's kind of ridiculous that people don't carry OC spray. It's like if somebody starts getting aggressive with you. And they're not looking to kill you. Yep. Right? Do I need to draw my gun in that point? You know, I can fight. A right. lot of people can't. But OC spray is is what it's a it's a long distance eye poke. Yep. So if it's getting close, and you're like, hey, I don't like what you're doing, and he starts getting aggressive. Do I need to shoot him? No. Right. I can give him a shot of OC spray, and he's out for several minutes, and I can. So I I really really am a big fan of OC spray, and everybody should be carrying it. Uh, you know, that you could say, okay, yeah, I can, I can use a can of beans to try to hit somebody. But, you know, if that, uh, if I were a bad guy going to, to attack an elderly, elderly woman, mm-hmm. that can of beans isn't going to do anything to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just spitballing here ideas on stuff that I've had questions of that I don't understand why people won't carry that. My spray actually has like a band that goes around like my wrist strap so I don't even have to have my hands holding something and if I let go on accident like it's not falling off so it's there and that was something like I learned in college so obviously college campuses or at least in Florida I couldn't carry on a campus I was you know a student um couldn't have a gun so like I did everything I could and it sounds ridiculous but even I worked in a like closet where there was no exit other than the little door that I came in it was an actual storage closet for me my OC spray sat right next to my keyboard the entire day that's all I had my help plan was to hit a button on my laptop that would send an alert to like the IT help desk who's right next door but it's like what is IT gonna do in the building like that's not (laughs) a fail safe sure it'll help maybe alert somebody else but that's all I had so you know, you have to do what you have to do, whether it's uncomfortable for you to show that you're willing to defend yourself or not, because that's all you've got, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's another thing is like, uh, you know, as a society, we've gotten much less violent over the years, much less violent. If you look at the statistics of people who have died because of violence, it's dramatically decreased dramatically. So especially in the Western world, you know, we're, we don't, a lot of people don't have that violent mindset, except for the criminal, right? And you have to be willing to consciously tell yourself, I am willing to commit violence. One of the exercises I do is I, uh, I have everybody in my class close their eyes. I say, okay, imagine one person choking another person. And then I say, okay, now imagine yourself in that scenario. And then I say, okay, which person were you? 
And every person in the class was, I was the person getting choked, right? I say, you know, you have to change your mindset to be the person doing the choking. You have to flip a switch in your head to say, I am willing to commit violence to protect myself. And a lot of people don't have that sort of mindset. A lot of people, I'd say 99.9% of the population can't imagine themselves committing violence. So when that time comes, when you have to defend yourself with violence, you have to defend it with overwhelming violence. Uh, there, there's a good book also on my website. It's called when violence is the answer. And it's like, when you talk about violence, it can't be an escalation. So if, if a guy comes to me and he starts committing violence, let's say it's on a scale of one to 10. So that guy is committing violence on, you know, a one scale. Mm -hmm. I can't go to two because then he'll just go to three. And then if he goes to three and I go to four, you know, that's that's a, a zero sum game right there. So if somebody starts committing violence at one, you have to tell yourself, all right, I have to be willing to go all the way to 10 so that he can't outcompete me in the violence category. Yeah. A lot of people just don't have that sort of mindset. And it's it's one that has to be trained almost. Uh, force on force classes are good for doing that. So, and, and most people don't take force on force. That's something I highly recommend. I've actually have that on my schedule for May. Uh, and I, I really encourage people to come out and take that because it's when you have a person come out for a force on force class and you run them through scenarios all day long, at the end of the at the end of the day, they are they are really, really shocked and their eyes are open to all those scenarios, how it's gonna go, right? And what did Mike Tyson say? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And everybody comes in, they're thinking, well, I've always thought to myself, if I were in this situation, here's what I would do. And it doesn't happen like that. So it never will. So you have to be willing to adapt and be able to really be willing to commit violence on a, a scale that's pretty scary to a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, um, I won't tell people who, because this person's so dear to me. She refuses to carry a gun. Okay. Well, her life has changed. So when you talk about if they're that, they're that person's like being choked, right? What would it take for you to do the reverse? Okay. Are you going to protect your grandson? Are you going to protect your sister? Are you going to, if it, if it can't be you, right? If you're just not going to do it for yourself, just, I try to put people in that perspective of, okay, somebody's trying to Tra traffic your child snatch your kid like what does that look like for you and then that mindset I think finally is what clicks and I don't know why that is for women right sometimes that's what it takes is like okay what about your kid oh then I would kill someone over that right and so that's where it finally starts to shift into like okay well now kids removed from the situation and you are their caregiver now what are you gonna do and so like that's where some of that situational like mindset comes into play of realizing what are you willing to protect and why and and, and why that matters yeah, for sure. That's and if you read any books on evolutionary biology, you know that makes a lot of sense, right? It's you're you're trying to you're trying to pass on your genetic material, right? So that's that's what every animal species does. That's we're trying to pass on our genetic material. Okay. So if you don't have kids and you haven't passed on any genetic material, you're much much less likely to be willing to commit violence for yourself. Right. But as soon as your genes are out there, you said, hey, this is my kid, then that whole mindset changes, right? And it's it's the it's the grizzly bear mindset, right? Don't become between a bear and its cub because that that bear has passed on its genes. And it's like, I have to propagate my genetic material out into the world. And if you're going to get in the way of that, you're a dead man. Yep. So that's where that mindset switches in a lot of people. And you ask somebody, all right, are you willing to die for your child? And I'd say 100 people or 100% of parents are going to say yes. Yep. And you ask them, would you kill for your child? Then people start thinking, right? You're probably going to get less percentage because, you know, it is what it is. But that mindset really, really changes in people once they have kids. Yep. But it, you got to say, all right, if you're not there for your kid, what's going to happen? And that's, you know, that's as a parent, that's one of my worst fears is right. Like something happens to me and my, I can't take care of my kid. You ever read the road? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that, that was one of those books that, oh, that was hard to get through because as a parent, you're thinking, all right, this guy's trying to take care of his kid and he's, you know, 
you haven't run the road, spoilers, the guy, you know, gets sick and dies at the end. But it's just like, you know, that's one of those things you like, you try to prepare your kids for stuff. It's like, I want to be there to protect my kids. Yep. And that's the reason I'm willing to do what I have to do to survive any sort of violent encounter. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a parent and I don't plan to be. But when I think about losing my dad, that's probably like my biggest fear. Right. But then I, I, I just think about, OK, if that is one of my biggest fears then what losing him, what does that mean for me? Like, so then do I need to go learn X, Y, Z? Like, what is it that I'm in fear of? Right. And it's, it's all that learning to be self-sufficient to take care of yourself to all of all the things, which I feel like I have a good grasp on and I've done, but like there's, it's not enough. Right. So yeah, I think how would you go about like teaching someone of how to become violent or to learn how to protect themselves without that kid family genetic environment? Like how do we get those people to wake up too? Yeah, that's, that's something that has to be trained. And it's not an easy process because you, you can only put people in so much stress in a training environment. You know, so I, can, I can put people on a static range and it's not, not even close to like a force on force class. Right. So force on force is the closest you can get to violent encounters without getting hurt the closest you can get. And that's the best we can do, to be honest, right? I mean, you could, you know, run up and scare somebody in a parking lot and try to wake them up like that. But I mean, that's, that's not practical, right? That's not going to happen. But it's, I would pay to watch that. Yeah, right. Cover TV show, new reality TV show. Just a prank, bro. But uh, no, so I, I really, really would like for people to go out and take those force on force classes. Uh, so there's a guy named Craig Douglas, and I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but he's he runs Shivworks, and he did that extreme close quarters combat class that I took. And uh, you know that that's a real eye opener to a lot of people because you're you're literally wrestling around on the ground with people with guns, you know, simunitions, stuff like that. That's that's as close as you can possibly get. Uh, but yeah, I, I think force on force classes or something similar is is about as close as you're going to be able to get for somebody. And unfortunately, a lot of people just don't even think about taking classes like that. Or, or if those classes are even often offered, they're, they're few and far between, which is why I try to offer it. And I make it extremely cheap for people to come out and take an all day class. Uh, but yeah, I, I try to push that on people as much as I possibly can. But it's one of those things that's like, if you don't know, you don't know. If you don't right? know, or if you don't experience it, like I feel like in in our entire country, it takes an experience for someone to sign up and take a class to realize they don't know what they don't know, and they finally are seeking that education out. It's never a preventative thing; it's always a reaction to something that happened to them. Yeah, that's uh, so. There was a shooting down in Sweetwater a couple of days ago. I think that was a, a domestic violence sort of thing. I, a guy shot several people in a family and I've, I've gotten several calls from folks wanting to, to take classes just based on that. Yeah. So you're right. It's one of those things. It's like, it's, it's either somebody is coming out, come out and taking one class and they're like, Oh wow. Okay. I didn't realize all of this was involved in this or it's something has happened and they're like, yeah, the, you know, I got a ex-husband who's, threatened me and I'm looking to, you know, defend myself, that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, it's usually one of the two. Um, sometimes I'll get folks that are just like, Hey, uh, just curious, come want to come take a class, but usually it's some sort of uh, trigger. I would say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Something is happening. So I just had a, a father and daughter come out and the daughter is in, she's in pre-med and she's getting ready to go start school in Memphis. And they were like, well, we've never really handled guns. So, we want to come out and, you know, we've got a gun, but, you know, never really done anything with it. So we want to come out and take a class. So it's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just keep trying to push it. And hopefully you get enough disciples out there to say, hey, you really need to go do this sort of thing. And that's that's one of the things I saw I've seen with my force on force class. I've done three of them so far. Mm -hmm. uh, and every time. People are like, I have told everybody I know about this class and that they need to come and take it. Yeah. But it's like I said, it's one of those things that if you've never done it before, you just don't get it until you go and take that class. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I think I sent whew, probably a dozen people your way and I probably guessed zero have signed up. <laughs> 
you know? But I mean, like, that's the thing is I go to my FFL and um, he's got like my business cards and stuff for classes. And he's like, oh, did anyone actually email or call? I'm like, no, but I don't expect them to. It's it's going to take that that trigger, unfortunately. And it's the same thing with you. It's like, oh, here, defensive or because I'm never in town, go take Tim's class. And then does anyone sign up? Probably not. Like, I just, I don't have a lot of faith in people anymore, which is unfortunate. And I don't, I don't know how many videos, how many stories, how many news clips that we're going to have to see before things like wake up and, and living with fear is not okay as a society. Like that's, um, what's a store that's near me that I don't even know the name, not tractor supply. It's a Tennessee thing, not Home Depot. What kind of store? Um, it's the one that had the shooting at in Knoxville. Um, oh gosh, it was the kid and they finally caught him, but he was, he went off on foot. Ooh, that's good question. I'm not familiar. That's gonna take me a second to remember that. But anyways, I went in there the other day. It's like it's a store I shop at that's not far from me where I get all my truck supplies for oil and, and all the crap. The anyways, but I went in there the other day and it's completely empty. But again, they just had a shooting, they just had an employee killed, which is it's absolutely devastating. And like I, I think people are living in fear now where they're like they're not willing to go to these places. But it's like that place was always unsafe. That that's not like any other building. They're all like that. doesn't matter where you go. Right. That's what's killing me is for people to not understand like that can happen anywhere at any time. doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things like, uh, sort of force on force classes, we run through scenarios to say, okay, you're going into the hardware store or you're going into a restaurant or you're coming back to your house. I'm trying to make it as realistic as possible to, to have people get into these scenarios where you're like, this is just the place that you would normally be on any night of the week. There's nothing special about it. You're not in a, a a biker bar out in the middle of nowhere, right? Where you your your awareness level is going to be heightened. You know, this is just a normal place. You're going to the Outback or Applebee's or something like that, right? This this stuff could happen anywhere. It doesn't matter. And it's uh so are you familiar with the uh, the Cooper color codes of readiness? Probably not. So yeah, so the Cooper color cards of readiness are basically, it starts at white. Okay. So white is you're not paying attention. You have no idea what's going on. You're completely focused on yourself or your phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Next is yellow. Yellow is you are aware of everything that's going on, but you're not stressed out about it. Next is orange. Orange is you have perceived a threat out in the world and you are focused on that threat. Right. Next is red. Something has happened, a violent action has occurred, and you have to take actions according to that threat. And then the very last one is black. Black basically means you have panicked, you have no control of what's going on, and you are losing the situation. The idea is for everybody to stay in yellow, right? You're paying attention, but you're not stressed out about it, you know? Uh, And... uh, I'll I'll have to send you that color code, but you can you can Google it. It's pretty easy to find. If you just Google the Cooper color codes of readiness, you'll find it right off the bat. But I tell everybody stay in yellow. Yeah. Paying attention. You're not stressed out about it, but you are paying attention to everything that's out in your world. Now, the idea is to avoid black, and to avoid black is basically you get training and you get stress inoculation. Mm -hmm. So training starts first figuring out what you're supposed to do, right? Because you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your level of training. And if your level of training is zero, that is where you will fall to. I tell everybody in my classes, you will not become John Wick when a bad thing happens if you've never trained. It's not going to happen. So to avoid black, like I said, you get training first, and then you get stress inoculation. And you can watch people go through classes like even just in on a static range, right? If I if I'm teaching a defensive class and I'm telling people to draw from the, the holster, so my my cue word for them to draw is threat. So when I say threat, they draw, they make the shots that I've uh, explained to them to make, you know, torso, pelvis, head, whatever it is. Right. All I have to do is as they're going back to the holster, yell threat again. And their brain freezes up because they're like, what? This isn't part of what we were just doing. I said, what did I tell you? I said, when I say threat, you engage the threat. It's a cardboard target, right? But their stress level goes up. This is on a static range. There's nobody shooting back. Right. 
you can just watch that stress level go up even on a static range where they're not having to do anything except draw from the holsters and make shots on a target that's three yards away. Yep. So just imagine what that stress would be like in a real life situation if you didn't have any sort of training, right? Your your brain is going to freeze up. Yep. And that's, uh, you know, we talk about the brain. The brain is just a big database. You put info in, you pull info out. and when you are encountering a new situation, you have to take a second to process that information and file it away. That's why kids stare. So if a little kid stares at somebody or something they've never seen before, so let's say, you know, you've got a young kid, three, four years old, and somebody comes by in a wheelchair, well, that kid stares because they, they haven't processed that information yet. We tell kids not to stare, but we shouldn't because their brain is trying to put that information away. It's the same with us. Right. So if a cat walked into a room, we wouldn't give it a second glance. But if a cat walked into a room with three legs, we might take a half a second to look at it and go, uh, okay. Now, if a cat walked in the room with no back legs and was just dragging itself, we would probably take a few extra seconds to look at that because we don't see that very often. <laughs> sorry. That was a cute little yeah, analogy. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's, it's if you encounter a new situation, right? And you know, everybody knows fight or flight. But yep. the most likely response is to freeze yep. because your brain is trying to process what's happening. And you kind of stop for a second and go, OK, wait, what's going on if you've never experienced that stuff before? Yep. So I'm sure you've watched the videos of the uh, the white settlement church shooting that happened several years ago. Yep. So when that first shot goes off. Everybody in the congregation, over 100 people, nobody moves. Nope. It's like they what? freeze. They root to the ground and they stop. Nobody takes action until that second, third shot goes off. Right. Then people start freaking out, running around, screaming, that sort of stuff. Right. But that first shot goes off and it's like, I That's just heard a place. Yeah. <laughs> My brain is trying to process what's happening right now. So if you're encountered with a violent situation and you've never had that stress inoculation, you're going to freeze. Yep. And it's just like we, we, we talk about the analogy of, let's say, an emergency room doctor or an EMT or something like that. First day on the job, they see something pretty horrific. They're kind of like their stress levels way up. They're sweating. Blood pressure is real high. Well, after 15 years on the job, it's like, all right, well, that guy's guts are laying out on the ground. No big deal. Let's get him patched up and get him to the ambulance because they've had that stress inoculation. So that's where training comes in. The more stressed you can get yourself during training the less stressed you are going to be during an actual violent encounter. Right. Yeah. I remember the place, by the way, Rural King. Yes. There you go. That's what hit my head. Um, what have you seen, like, when, when you've got the force on force classes, what do you, I guess, like, out of the whole attendees that you have, what are the biggest, like, mistakes or biggest surprise learnings that you hear from people of, like, oh, I don't know how to defend myself with hands. I don't know how to get out of the situation. Like, what are the main things that you see people fail at? The biggest thing is letting people get too close. Yeah. So I've, I put people specifically in situations where I will have people try to get close to them. And during my classes, I always stress Distance is your friend, right? Distance equals time. And if you get too close or let people get too close to you, you're going to be in trouble. Yep. And that's the probably the number one mistake that I see a lot of people. And they, and they know it as soon as the scenario is over. As soon as the scenario is done, they're like, I let him get too close, right? Yep. Because as that, as that person gets close to you, if you feel threatened enough to go for your gun and he's within arm's reach, you're done. Yep. He grabs the gun, pulls out a knife, starts sticking you a few times. And that's that's one of the things I see it every single scenario where I try to get people get to get too close. Uh, and, you know, I've I've had women and men in my force on force classes. And one of the biggest things I do is I I make the woman the aggressor yep. and approaching a man. And every time the man's like. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. And she's just right there, right next to him. I said, well, why'd you let her get that close? He's like, I don't know. It's like, well, was it because it was a woman? He's like, probably. Probably. <laughs> yep. I mean, yeah. and that's the same thing when teaching is like, why are women automatically not considered a threat? Or why are we automatically assume that like she's the damsel in distress or she's not the liar, the aggregator, whatever it looks like. And 
our society is never going to learn. We're still, it's 2023 and we still haven't changed our, our thoughts and feelings about gender. We've got, we've got 10,000 years of, of evolution and genetics that, you know, you're not going to erase that in the last, you know, 50 years. There's no way of getting around that. The DNA is there and there's no way that's changing. So people just have to realize it doesn't matter who it is, young, old, male, female, don't let somebody get close to you. If you don't know a person, take a few steps back. Don't, and, and for God's sakes, don't let people get within arm's reach. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's the number one thing that I see. And then the other thing is a lot of people, after I train them on how to draw a pistol from a holster, I say, all right, listen, your homework for the rest of your life is to do this 10 times a day. Perfect. Just do it 10 times a day, nice and slow. Perfect. That's all you got to do. They'll come to the class and say, hey, you practicing your draw? Ah, not as much. I just, you know, get home. Don't think about it. It's like, listen, it'll take you like three minutes to do 10 perfect draws a day. But when the stress starts happening, they're they're reaching back. They're fumbling. Their shirt's in the way. They can't get their gun out. All that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's that's probably the number two thing I see is they they flub the draw yep do you see any like wrong equipment or like how often do people come and learn like their their setup their equipment their holster whatever is just not going to work for them or even their gun yeah so we use airsoft guns and i have i have block 19 replicas actually sitting right over there (laughs) so we have to use our own holsters but i give them the choice i say okay listen you can do inside the waistband outside the waistband appendix strong side whatever you want to do so and you know i don't buy trash equipment so my gear works (laughs) so it's probably not not a good analogy for them right so and I, i try to coach people especially when they come to my defensive classes i always tell them hey that holster is garbage this holster works that kind of stuff and that's uh the, the the two things I see fail in my defensive classes, actual live fire classes, are holsters and optics. And I always try to tell people, and I've got a I've got a YouTube video that explains holsters that says, listen, I've bought every type of holster. Like there's there's a tub right here and it's just full. I have one too. I'm looking at it right now. And I went and I got a bigger container for them. Yeah, it's so, yeah. so that thing right there. It's just full of holsters. I don't even want to show my wall of crap. It's just full, full of different types of holsters because I've tried all of them. And I try to tell people, I said, listen, I've made those mistakes. Let me explain to you what works and doesn't work. Right. Especially like retention. Like, so you can still get proper retention without the thumb model, without the finger, like disengaging. That's the biggest thing is I'm like, you just essentially (laughs) locked yourself up, safetyed yourself. Like, and, and that's the other thing I see is, um, I'll see people draw and be like, it's not going off. Like pressures ensued. And I'm like, that safety that's on both sides of your gun that you didn't put your thumb over. It's still on. That gun might not be for you. Consider striker fired. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's man. Thumb Number one. Number I, I tell people, listen, if you want to get a thumb safety, get a thumb safety, sure. but you better train with it and you better, that thing better be instinctual. Yep. Like as soon as you come up on target, sweep the thumb or sweep the safety off, bam, bam, bam. When you're off target, safety comes right back on. And it should be, you shouldn't even have to think about it. Right. It's just like, you know, like when we're shooting ARs, right? So it, I don't even think about the safety. I just do it, right? And it should be the same way with a handgun if you're going to carry one with a safety on it. Yep. But a lot of people are like, well, I, you know, I, I like the thought of having the safety on there just in case. I say, listen. This is your safety. Yep. yep. Finger off the trigger. I remember my, I still have a video, I'm sure, some of my very first match with my first 2011. <laughs> I safety myself like every single stage. It was beep. And then I was like, oh, and then you hear me yelling, safety, <laughs> like turned it off. I swear to God, it happened twice. And I've done, I don't know, I had to get used to the habit. So I switched out of carrying any uh, like 1911 style gun because I would automatically flip the safety back on, you know, to reholster or whatever for competition or when I was done that I was starting to do that with my own. I'm like, oh my God, I'm safety myself. Why am I doing that? But it was a good habit, but also a bad habit. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's one of, one of the other things I don't like are, uh, so the, the M&P shield 
Like yep. the EP model is yep. super popular, like crazy popular. And that grip safety, oh, that grip safety, it's the worst. It is the bane of my existence. Yep. I said I had three people come into classes and they would say to themselves on the grip. And I'm like, you're not getting the high enough grip and you're not drawing it out and you're going to save to yourself. And this is a horrible guy. I understand you might not have the hand strength to pull back the slide. That gun's not for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that, yeah. that grip safety. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish Smith had made made that gun without the grip safety so bad because it would have been a great gun for yep. a lot of folks that just don't have that hand strength to rack the slide and load the magazine, that kind of thing. I actually have a, a YouTube review of uh, if I compared the Glock 43X, the SIG 365XL, and the MMP Shield Easy all in one video. I went through the good and bad with all of them, but it's just like, I, I can't stand that grip safety because I see so many issues with it, especially in like rapid fire. So if I say, all right, I need you to make, so give me hits on the pelvis, give me hits on the chest. It'll be bam, bam, bam. Click, click. Oh, yeah. That's right. Reestablish the grip, bam. It's yeah. like, that's, that's going to get you killed. Yep. Right. So yeah, I, I don't personally, I don't like thumb safeties and I really don't like grip safeties. Same. Yep. Those are two things I've pretty much tried to nix from people's minds. Um, it, it, I don't under, I, I won't ever understand. So I can't understand of the comfort of having it. And then whenever they do show up and, and that does happen where I'm like, you just safety yourself. You just died. You just, you, you're literally using a gun that you're going to forget to do X, Y, Z with. Right. Um, and that's what it takes. But so many people have those at home or they carry them every day. They've never shot them. They've never put a timer to it. And we're not even talking about a scenario. We're just talking about draw and shoot. With, yeah. with with a teacher standing near you with a timer and like whoop, lights out. Yeah. 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 That's, and, uh, that's one of the things I tell people it, training is great for means testing your gear. Yeah. Figure out what your gear is, what gear works. If your gun works, that kind of stuff. And I, I try to prep people before my classes and say, Hey, listen, go watch this video on holsters. Mm -hmm. Watch this video on, you know, gun belts. This type of stuff. Your gear needs to work. And inevitably, I'll get people to show up my class and they've got either like floppy leather holsters or those, those, uh, what are they called? Hybrid holsters and stuff like that. And say, listen, this, you're going to struggle all day with this. Okay. Yep. You're going to figure out your gear doesn't work. Yep. But holsters are the main thing that I see people struggle with. And then the other one is optics. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people go cheap on optics. Yeah. Uh, and I, I tell them, listen, if you're going to spend some money, save it up and get something that works. I've seen optics fly off in the middle of courses. I've seen, seen them get cracked, screws come out, all that kind of stuff. You know, yep. they're zeroed properly. It's just, uh, if you're going to get optics, get a quality optic, especially with handguns, because those things take so much abuse and they yep. really, really got to work. I think that's the biggest, in articles, I've written probably half a dozen articles now that my number one recommendation, I was like, okay, if you're going to spend $1,200 on a pistol or you're going to spend three grand on a rifle, whatever it is, it sounds ridiculous, whether it's competition, whether it's carry, whether it's just having a nice gun and you're going to put a $200 red dot, you're going to put, <laughs> yeah, a $300 scope. And I'm like, you have to have both to be able to hit something or you need to be using iron sights. And I don't care if that offends you, but it drives me up the wall i don't want to get into ammo too much but there's like three things that make guns and ammo and everything accurate and it's going to be guns ammo and that red dot or sight yeah 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 that's cool. there's, there's really like in the red dot world when you talk about handguns really there's only two companies that are doing it right that's trigicon and all of a sudden yep. that's the only two that i recommend i say listen there's only two companies out there right now and, and this is just this this is anecdotally for me. I've seen a lot of them come through. Say, so listen, that Vortex isn't going to cut it. It's not going to work. I mean, Vortex makes some some decent rifle scopes. Yeah. But the red dot game isn't there. The the Sig, they make some good red dots for rifles, but when it comes to handguns, their their stuff just just doesn't cut it right now. So I tell people it's either Holosun or Trigicon. You know, I am testing some EOTex too, and I have fallen in love with their holographic and their E-Flex. I was actually really impressive. So I was gonna say I've I've tried three, but I'm a Trigicon person, like and, and Holosun is on like all of my guns. I have two per gun now, you know, and then um the E-Flex though is, is a pretty good game changer. So 
Okay. I, I might need to check one of those out. I saw those are relatively new, aren't they? They are. And that's why I put them on several different gun models, not just like 147s with the, you know, slower moving slide stuff, but like violent nine mil striker fire guns and e flex exactly. been awesome. So those are those are the three that I've been testing and those are the only ones you'll I run personally. So and I'm not sponsored by anybody, but those are my niche. That's what was funny when I was texting people because I love the SRO. I'm a like a big window type person. But I was like, nobody has an RMR. <laughs> They're great optics, but nobody has one. We're all SRO people. And that's five hundred, six hundred dollar optic, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's I think it's just because Hollow Sun came in at such a lower price point than Trigicon and their yeah. quality is is right there with it. Oh yeah. The five oh seven C is probably my favorite red dot that I have on. I've got the assets. Yeah, so on my carry gun, I've got the five oh seven C with the uh the ACSS Vulcan reticle. Ooh, okay. This one with the big, big giant donut around the edge, because that's that's the other thing that I see with red dots is, especially with handguns, people don't train the dry fire enough. Yeah. So when they come out, they're trying to adjust that gun. A big ol'. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yep. But with that, that ACSS reticle, you've got that big giant donut around the outside. So if you're off just a little bit, you'll catch the edge of that circle, and that says, oh, I'm on the edge. I need to get back. And it instinctively guides you right back to the middle. So I, I really like that one for myself. Yep. Uh, well, and the yeah. solar panel stuff, I mean, so people don't understand it doesn't recharge batteries, but it's the backup to the fail of the battery, which is huge. And so that's why I'm a big proponent of Hall of Sun too. Um, and, and I think that while we love iron sights and there's still a lot of people that carry with iron sights or like shoot and try iron sights they're not able to assess what they're doing wrong and so like that red dot is a training tool for you at home to understand when you pull a trigger and the the dot moves to the left oh you're pulling or you're jerking the trigger or, or you're dropping your grip or whatever that looks like that red dot even though it's not iron sights it's happening the same with your iron sights it's the exact same thing it's just you're not able to understand your brain what's happening like you can with the red dot yeah, and I I think it uh, I especially like it for at distance shots. Mm -hmm. So I can I can so you've been to my range. So at that building, all the way out to the steel target, I can make hits on that steel target with my handgun. Oh yeah, red dot so easily because you know if you're using iron sights, your front post is covering up that target at a hundred yards now. That's a parlor trick, right? I'm never going to make shots at 100 yards on a, like in a defensive situation with my handgun. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. But being able to have all of that other real estate available to your eyes, I, I think is really valuable when it comes to red dots. Yep, I agree. So that's a good training tool. Um, I'm now learning to occlude the dot in training, which is now extra painful for me. I don't know if it works or not. I don't. I know people that shoot their entire gun in matches who are some of the best shooters in the whole entire country with the dot covered the whole time. That ain't me. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I, I can't. I did it for a little bit. It's good. And I can't do that in an actual match. No. I'm not that good. No. <laughs> I never will be. But, okay, I know we've gone all off on a bunch of tangents, but we've talked about situational awareness, force on force, knowing and understanding your gear at least. Um, and I think that's important before going to a class because if you're going to a class and all you're doing is fighting your zero, your screws, your your gear, whatever it is, you're never going to actually take away what you need to from that class. So come free to a class if you can, knowing the ins and out of everything and it works. So that way you can take as much as away from the class. But is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Oh, I'm sure I'll think of something as soon as we're. I honestly, it's just you know, as a trainer, just go get training. Go get defensive training. If you're going to carry a gun for self defense, and this is I, I think I explained this on the last podcast. It's just like playing basketball. I can shoot free throws all day long, be great at it, but if that's all I do, and somebody asks me to go play a basketball game, I'm going to be terrible. Right. And it's the same way with shooting. I can sit on a static range and make stack shots on top of each other all day long. Because you're like, all right, well, now you've got to move. Now you have to communicate. You got to do reloads. You got to fix malfunctions. You got to draw from the holster. All that stuff that goes into it, you're not going to be any good at it. So, yet, if you're going to carry a gun for self defense, get self defense training. 
that's that's so unbelievably important for folks out there, and most folks just don't do it. Yep, yep, I like it. Well, uh, Tim, how can people find you online? What's your website, and how can people sign up? And what are the date again for the Force on Force class? Uh, Force on Force class is one week before your gal's day at the range. On May sixth, on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is on a Saturday. It is on the schedule. So if you go to www.lfxtraining.com, that's Lima Foxtrot X-Ray Training.com, uh, just go to the, the classes, hit the schedule button. You'll see that on the schedule, and you can sign up right there. Don't have to go through any other payment processors or any garbage like that. You can just pay right there, and it's all done. That's awesome. And you've got your Tennessee Carry classes, um, situational classes. You've got... Um, Gosh, like moving around a vehicle. What all do you do again? <laughs> uh, yeah, so beginner's classes, uh, defensive handgun, combative handgun, handgun carbine combo, uh, defensive carbine, combative carbine, vehicle defense, women's situational classes, and then the force on force classes. And of course, custom classes. If, if somebody wants it, I had a guy come out last week, I think it was, and all he wanted was coaching. Yep. Uh, his shots weren't going where the, he wanted them to go. And he just said, hey, can I just get two hours of your time just to coach through this? I said, absolutely. So we sat there for two hours and I coached him on, you know, what he was doing wrong, what he was doing right. And we got it all cleaned up. So if you want a custom class, just sign up. And if you go to the website and you don't see a class on the schedule, just message me and I will put it on the schedule. The only time I schedule classes is when somebody requests it. I don't put a class on the schedule and say, this class is this Saturday. Sign up if you want. The only right. class I do that for is the Force on Force. Gotcha. Love it. Yeah, and guys, check out um, his range, too. is amazing. It's a great piece of property. You're able to draw and shoot, shoot and move. Do what you need to do. It's not like a, a range-owned facility to the public. This is an exclusive training place. He's got barricades. He's got the tools that you need. So there's no excuses. And I know Tim enough to know that if you need to borrow a gun, he's he's got that for you, too. You know, like you right. show up and he will take care of you. Oh, also, I just added a rifle zero class. Uh, Amen. So, oh, so have you seen the uh, the the camera? I don't know what you call it, but basically, it's a camera that you set right in front of the target. It has line of sight Wi Fi. If it's what, it might be a different brand for you. <laughs> but I just got the bullseye camera system by SME. That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. I got this yesterday. I should you not. Oh, so so I'm going to be the super lazy person, guys. So this there's two different versions out there. This is the 300-yard one. Then you have like the 1,000-yard, the I think. Yeah. Oh, of course, you got the bougier one. But all yeah. I need is 300-yard um, sighting edition. It's wireless. It's incredible. So your lazy butt has no excuses for not sighting in a rifle. You don't have to walk 300 yards, 200 yards, whatever it is. I mean, I check zero, do 100, mm-hmm. but yes. Yeah, it's like, so I I have people come out and they're like, hey, I need to zero my AR before I take your class. I'm like, all right, perfect. I come out, I'll have that thing zeroed in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so awesome how lazy. It's 10 minutes. It's so easy. That's that thing has changed my life. Such a good system. I'm so excited. So that's something I got. Um, I'm going to sign in a five five six AK for an AK match next month, and then um, shooting uh, a ladies invasion three gun and all that stuff. So coming up next month. So I'm going into the range. My friends are borrowing my rifles, so I'm going to go check zero on all of them. Um, and I'm really excited, especially for the AK style matches, bro. That's where it's at. Yeah. I have an AK, but that's not a platform that I run much at all, to be honest. Oh, and on that uh, on that bullseye system, uh, iPhone only. If you try to run an Android on it, the app is is garbage. So just use a, a iOS device. I tried with my. I've got two phones. I got my work phone. I got my personal phone. Personal phone's Android. Application would not work at all. Well, honestly, I tried to use it on a tablet. So yeah, it was like a Galaxy tablet because it was just you know when you're when you have that target in front of you on the screen, it was just bigger. It's like all right, well, this isn't working. So I used my iPhone and it worked fine. So if you're going to use that thing. Make sure you're using an iOS device. You're not going to like this, but if you use an Android phone, just go ahead and throw it in the trash and go get an iPhone. How dare you! 
<laughs> That's the real discovery here, people, is iPhone for the win. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for everything. Uh, yeah, I appreciate your knowledge, your expertise, uh, your dedication. Also, people don't notice that you actually work uh, another job and you have a family and you have kids, and then you still take time to train people. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it has been unbelievably busy in the last probably 12 months. I, I can't believe how busy it is, which I'm really happy about, right? I think last weekend was the first weekend I didn't have some kind of class. I couldn't tell you how long. Oh, wow. I, it, it's every weekend people are asking for classes, which is really good. And I, I really like it. You know, it's this is my passion. If I could do it full time, and I absolutely would. But yeah, so I run this business. I run another business and I have my full time job on top of that. Couldn't do it, bro. Couldn't do it. Proud of you. Thanks for everything you do. And um excited for you to be at Gal's Day this year as well. I guess I should mention that real quick while we're on the podcast. <laughs> May 13th, um, if you are anywhere near Eastern Knoxville, you should try to come. Actually, you don't even know this yet, but I'll just go and say it. So we have 92 pounds of Tannerite to blow up. We have Firebird targets to explode, 200 of those. We have full autos coming. We have suppressors actually on loan from our SOT coming in, so you won't have to have that if you don't want to. Um, but it's going to be really fun. We're giving away over 10 guns now at this point, so we've got... Yeah, IWI Masada Slims, they donated five of those. Um, we've got some Taurus 22s. We've got a surprise, couple two surprise guns that I don't want to mention yet. But if you're not signed up, ladies, it's 100 bucks. It includes taco truck. We're having a taco food truck come, ice cream truck come, T-shirts, all of the ammo is included. Supervel sponsoring the ammo again. Double Star is coming down. Hunter's HD Gold is coming down. This event is going to be bigger than last year, Tim, and I'm really excited. And thank you for volunteering. That's really cool. You get an A300 blackout? Um, uh, ammo wise, I don't know. I will try because I have one that I built that works. That's really fun to shoot. But yeah, I've got my suppressed 300 blackout that I would, um, just so ridiculous. So ridiculous. <laughs> if I can buy that ammo for sure. Cause I, I, I want people to shoot some different calibers. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this year. Thank you for helping out. So May 13th, ladies go sign up at three gunkenzie.com. Tim will be there. And then you can learn more about his classes as well. Um, and we're just grateful to have him on the range to help because he's a wealth of knowledge. So thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Red Aquat listeners, stay tuned. Again, LFX Training uh, is his website and his training company. Go sign up and then stay tuned for the next episode of the Reticle Up Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gen Kenzie.